Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We've all heard the saying, snitches get stitches. But in the country of Malta, snitches get a monument built to them. And then we travel to Ohio to meet a haunted VW bug that has one mission. Stop teenagers from having sex. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I've actually been having a crazy day. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and introduce our Thanksgiving live stream contributor. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, everyone give a big round of applause for Allison's Wake. Yay, Allison's, come on in. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That also really, really helps out a lot. Now, Allison's Wake is bringing us in. Allie, set down this big, giant box of beef jerky, and I'm going to eat it all. Nom, 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 nom. I actually just broke fast. I took a 48-hour fast that I just broke before doing the podcast. I wanted to do 72 hours, but... The other part of my crazy day is I got prescribed all of these steroids for this tooth issue I'm having. So um, I don't know. I don't know a ton about steroids, but I do know you can't take them on an empty stomach. So I did break fast at 48 hours. And the reason why I'm telling you guys about this, I'm I'm flexing on you guys. It's a little bit of a brag, but I, I would like you guys to try fasting. Now, there's a lot of health benefits to it and stuff. I'm, you know, you guys know me. I'm not a big health nut. That's probably why I constantly need steroids for my body to keep functioning. I'm not a big health nut. This is the reason why I fast. One, I figure it as personal endurance, and I like being able to brag. I can go two days without eating. But secondly, you're like, Jason, that's what you brag about. You have a hit podcast. You have a hit podcast, and that's what you're going around telling people? I think about it this way. Alien dropships appear in the sky. People are blowing up world leaders. Please, please, kill the populace, not me. I, I'm famous. All these like alien foot soldiers are walking through the streets just blasting dudes. I, I will not have to eat for two days. Like I can go at least two days. I was out walking. I did all my normal stuff. I was going to work. I'm walking everywhere. I walked down to the Walmart to get my prescription, all that stuff. If I would be able to go two days without eating. And I think most people wouldn't. And when I say most people, I mean most people in like the modern world. I know there's a lot of parts of the planet where they don't eat every day. But you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared when President Joe Biden begs for the aliens not to kill him. That may happen. So if you're not, this is actually like, I think Alex Jones is always trying to sell you supplements. I'm trying to sell you nothing. <laughs> Literally, don't do anything. If your diet allows it. Obviously, I don't want to get accused of killing a bunch of people, a diabetes people or something. If you can't go two days without fasting medically, don't, don't, don't die, please. But if you, if it won't kill you, try it. I always think it's interesting to see what the human body can do, what your human body can do. There's my tummy rumbling. So I don't know if the microphone picked it up. The microphone is sensitive. 
If you hear lots of noises, that's probably what it is. But let's see if you can do it. Maybe start off with just a 24-hour fest. But dude, because when those aliens start coming, when the zombies invade, or, or maybe it'll just be something lame like a civil war or something, and a tornado, boo. Think about it. Right now, if something bad happened... I wouldn't be immediately looking for food, which is a good thing because I've stated several times on this podcast, pretty much from like episode seven, that I'm willing to eat other humans if my back is to the wall. So now knowing that I can go at least two days, two active days, two new in my normal routine days with no food means if you and I are ever trapped in a scenario, I will not eat you for two days. Allison's is super nervous. They're bringing in even more beef jerky. I don't know, Allison's. You're looking pretty good. Allie, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the oars to the Dead Rabbit rowboat. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to row all the way out to Malta. Ooh, splash. Ooh, splash. Rowing all the way out there. Longtime listeners of Dead Rabbit Radio know that Dead Rabbit Radio is the number one science podcast in El Salvador. From time to time, someone else, some real science podcast gets rid of us, knocks us off the top. But generally, we're at least in the top five. But a lot of times, we're the number one science podcast in El Salvador. Another bizarre flex, but I'll take it. Well, recently, the country of Malta has jumped up. For a while, I was the number one science podcast in Malta. So I was like, okay, I already gave my El Salvador bros... Uh, some respect by doing a story about a man who had sex with a donkey, making a little donkey baby. What can I give to my Malta minions? What can I give them? Is there anything going on in Malta that fits the theme of this show? We are now in Malta, specifically we're in the town of St. Julian's. And it's about like the mid-1700s. So get on your old-timey clothes, like your pantaloons and like your big old hat. Everything's super wool and like itchy and stuff. And we're walking down the streets of St. Julian's. I take my shirt off because I'm itching too much. We're walking around. And in between San Juan, not San Juan, San Juan and a place called Bercarara, there's those are two different neighborhoods. There's like this road going in between those two places. And one day there's this dude just sitting on the street kind of just hanging out, reading a newspaper. Were newspapers around in 1700? And there's like wood carvings of like people like herding cows and eating wheat, whatever made the news back in the 1700s. And this dude, so this guy reading the newspaper, we're going to call him Tommy. So Tommy's sitting there and he's reading this newspaper and a guy comes running by. Oh, oh, oh no, oh, oh no, oh no. And Tommy's like, what What in the world was that? And he sees this guy kind of running and he ducks down an alley. And Tommy goes, oh, that's kind of weird. But let me go back to reading this giant wood carving. And then a couple minutes later, this other guy's kind of like jogging, jogging down the road. And he sees Tommy reading these wood carvings and he goes, hey, pardon me, sir, pardon me. Sorry to interrupt your, your news reading, but did you happen to see some dude run by? And Tommy thinks about it, and he looks down the street, and he goes, yeah, 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 there was some guy, like, just kind of, like, distraught. It looked like he was in a lot of trouble. And the, the dude standing up, his eyes go from side to side. He's like, trouble? I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know where he went? Do you know where this man went? Tommy goes, yeah, yeah, he went down the street a bit, and then he turned left going down that alleyway. And the gentleman goes, well, thank you very much for your service, sir. I will let you get back to reading the paper. The next day, Tommy wakes up, ooh, he's milking cows and eating wheat, and then he gets his picture carved into the newspaper, the most exciting man in Malta that day. And he's reading the newspaper, and he turns, and it says, murder. And he's like, ah! And it says, a man was murdered in between San Juan and Bercara down this alleyway. 
And he's like, oh my God. Oh my God, I can't believe what happened. And he pieces it together. He realized what you realized. He snitched the dude out. This guy was running for his life. And he told this other dude where he's at. And and the dude got stabbed to death in this alleyway. And he's like bleeding out and stuff like that. And he's like, ah, and he dies. Now, why Tommy didn't hear the man getting brutally murdered down the street, I don't know. There's some questions I have about this story. But uh, this story is so famous in Malta that not only did they build a giant monument... You know, in, in America, at least, when there's a car accident, they'll put like a little cross in the road, a little wooden cross and teddy bears by it and stuff like that. It's like that, but it's it's made of stone. It's permanent. It's about 15 feet tall. At the top is a crucifix. It's this giant pillar. And even today, people put like flowers by it. People stop and use it as this monument. It's called Ratch Mock Ratch. You smash mot smash. Now, if you are one of my listeners from Malta, you can go ahead and correct me because I can guarantee there's some weird letters in there. There's some X's in there. I don't know if the X is silent. But what this means in English, this, this pillar is called, I saw, I didn't see, and I heard, I didn't hear. So basically, keep your mouth shut. If you see something, say nothing. The mon- the story's very famous. The monument's very famous. And at one point, you kind of think, maybe this is an urban legend. Maybe this pillar was here and someone made up the story behind it. No, this is very well known in Malta culture. There's actually a pop song about it written by a dude named Tony Camilleri. And the name of the song was I Don't See, I Don't Hear. And it just basically is like... Here, let me read you some of the lyrics. I live in punishment. I live because I did not control my tongue. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. This is the warning written on the wall. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. See what you see. Hear what you hear. Don't talk to anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Right? That's. I don't think a rapper could write stronger snitches get stitches letter. And he didn't get the stitches. The other dude got stitches. It's weird because the moral of the story is keep your mouth shut, which generally in societies like in America and Britain, they have that whole, if you see something, say something. This is the opposite, right? But it is ingrained into that culture. If you see something, maybe just maybe just don't tell anyone. Really fascinating story. And it's like I was looking up like true crime in Malta. And this was one of the ones that popped up a lot. The murder of this man. And the lesson is keep your keep your mouth shut. For me, I grew up in bad neighborhoods, right? Snitches get stitches wasn't just a phrase. It was an actual thing you had to worry about. And I always saw it like this because it was so funny because my friends are like, dude, we just can't tell when you, <laughs> we can't tell what your view is on law enforcement. My view always was because there have been time. I remember once this dude took this little girl hostage and he, they were doing this hostage situation. It was where was this? It was in Arden Fair, I think, out in Sacramento. And the cops had surrounded the apartment complex. They were there for two days. Everyone was watching it on the news. And I go, you know what? Those cops must be awfully thirsty. So I went and got like two or three 24-packs of soda. I got two 24-packs of soda and a 24-pack of water. And I pulled up to the line 
of where all the police were. And I went to go give him the sodas. And the officer goes, oh, I appreciate that. He, I think he took some waters. He goes, I appreciate that. But it's we we solved it. Everything's good. And I was like, oh, okay. And then as I'm driving home, the radio is like, the police, what they did was they got a sniper. And they were able to have all the infrared stuff to see through the wall. I mean, he was holding like a three-year-old girl hostage for like two days. And the sniper shot a bullet right through the wall and blew his head off right in front of the kid. I mean, the kid was going to be traumatized either way. But... They shot him through the wall. They could see him through the wall. And so, yeah, they didn't need sodas. They're all going home to their family. So on that, like, nobody's pro-holding three-year-old kids hostage. But there's other... T- I had other interactions with the police that in- were far less friendly overall. So my my goal... My always goal was this. Is that I think it's wrong to snitch... If you're part of a criminal enterprise and you get caught and snitching reduces your sentence, uh, you're going to get stitches. If... You're part of a criminal enterprise and you're making money off of that criminal enterprise, but they start blowing you off or they start sleeping with your girlfriend or something dumb and you snitch on them. Snitches get stitches. That's on you. If you're a civilian, if you're outside of an organization or you have nothing to do with the money making and you're driving home and you see a crime, that to me was never snitches get stitches. Now, that depended on the, <laughs> that depended on the particular gangster who was involved in that situation. For me, snitches get stitches is that, where you're working with them. There are other times I've obviously dealt with law enforcement because I see someone doing this, someone doing that. What was it? Probably a couple weeks ago, some dudes were beating some woman up and some dude, some random guy outside a bar. I called the cops. I'm 45 years old. I'm not going to go out there and and tussle with a bunch of 19-year-olds, a bunch of drunk 19-year-olds in the middle of the street. I'm not going to do that. I walk outside. These guys are beating up this dude and this girl. The dude and the girl are holding their own, honestly, and I just doot-doot. Hello? Yeah, this is... They know me. The cops know me. Yeah, this is Jason. Hey, I got a fight. Oh, never mind. Everyone's getting in their car. And then I talked to the girls for a bit. um, And that was that. So I don't consider that snitches get stitches. That's something where I think you could easily say... You see something, say something like that. It's always a tricky thing, though. I also know... I've never been... This has never happened to me. But I also know of people who have snitched. And they... It did not work out well for him. I actually know of people, i got to be careful how much I talk about this, but I actually know of people whose family members snitched and they had to like quit their job and move away. Like, I'm hanging out with this dude and a relative of his snitched and this dude was like, hey, dude, I'll see you later or never again. Like, I have to leave the state. I was like, hey, what's going on? And he told me this crazy story about how his buddy or how his relative did this and then went to the police about this. And then him and his family were in danger to the point that they had to leave. People were trying to actively kill them, like actively kill them because something that is real. So it's always an interesting, I mean, when you're on the outside, it's interesting. I hope that friend of mine is doing fine. But yeah, that was years ago. That was years ago. So yeah, snitches get stitches is a a famous, famous phrase. In Malta, it's the opposite. Keep your mouth shut. It's just an interesting story. It's keep your mouth shut. And that's that's not what your government would want. I'm surprised this story is still around. It seems counterintuitive that the government would want to keep this story around. But Allison, I'm going to give you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Malta. We're headed all the way out to Ohio. 
And as we're headed out there, I want to do a really, really quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. Speaking of alien invasions, this is what kind of why I was thinking about alien invasions. I watched the dopest movie. The, I've watched a lot of great movies recently. This one I just watched like two days ago, and it jumped to the top of my list of movies I wanted to talk about. It's a Netflix exclusive. It's a Netflix exclusive movie starring Michael Pena. Who's been in like everything? He's he's just this great character actor. He's been in a ton of movies. It's called Extinction, and it's I love alien invasion movies when they're done right. Same thing I love about zombie movies or pandemic movies because it's about the end of the world, asteroids coming down, all this type of stuff, and how people are dealing with the end of the world. And it's a great alien invasion movie with a twist. Michael Pena is kind of like a a dad on the cusp of a failing marriage. His kids don't like him. He works at like some CERN-type laboratory as like an engineer. And he begins to have dreams, visions, of an alien invasion. He keeps seeing people just getting shot in the streets and all these drop ships coming down in the cities and people just getting gunned down. And he's at work and he has a vision of himself like beating someone to death with his hands. He's having these horrible visions about the future. And his wife is just like, listen, you're just going crazy. Please, please get this treated. Me and the kids can't deal with this anymore. So he goes to the psychiatrist's office. And while he's in the office, there's another patient sitting next to him there, like in the waiting room. And the other dude turns to Michael Penny and goes, you're not crazy. I see the aliens, too. I've seen the visions and they're coming. And you're like, oh, dude, this movie's really dope. Because not only is it a really tight alien invasion movie, it goes, it's like an hour and a half long, but it moves so quickly. Not only is it a really good alien invasion movie, you have the mystery is, how does he know the future? And I'll tell you right now, as I was watching, I was like, oh, I hope it's not that this is also a vision and he's going to wake up and he's like, oh, now I know what's going to happen, like invasion from Mars or something like that. No, it's not a twist that it's all a dream. You have this really cool alien invasion movie where they are gunning people down in the streets. It is like block by block alien invasion mixed with the mystery. How does he know? How did he know this was going to happen? Really, really tight movie. It reminded me of a short science fiction story that I would have read some Saturday afternoon when I was a teenager. Like, I, it, it, it's such a good sci-fi adventure. It's actually quite grim. I don't know if I'd call it an adventure, but Dead Rabbit recommends Extinction on Netflix. Really, really recommend that movie. I said recently that the X-Board's been putting out a lot of quality stuff, and they have. The guy who's writing the story had an uncle. When he was growing up, he had a great uncle who would always tell him about local urban legends. And where we're at is in Buckeye Lake, Ohio. And he goes, my uncle would tell me stuff like Crybaby Bridge. You know, that's a very typical story. We've covered stuff like that on the show before. The Grass Man of Ohio, which is basically like a Bigfoot a type of creature, all, all these all these local urban legends. And there was one story that this poster had heard that intrigued him for years. And he actually tried finding more information on it. And he could never get any more info on it. And he goes, I kind of think that my great uncle might have made it up, but I don't know. He goes, it's so weird that, it, and I can't find any proof of any of it, so maybe my uncle made it up, but he also knew all about all these other urban legends. Why would he make this one up if all the other ones could be traced to something? Back in the late 1950s in the town of Mount Vernon, a bright blue Volkswagen Beetle comes driving into town. And inside this Beetle was a father, we'll call him Jake, 
And his daughter will call her Alyssa. And they're driving down the road. The relationship between Jake and Alyssa was so stereotypical, is so cliche, but it, it is realistic. He was a devout Christian man who ruled the house, right? A man's home is his castle, and everyone has to do what he says, and he follows the one boss, the big boss in the sky. He is a devout Christian. She is a rebellious teenager. She wants to dress how she dresses and listen to the music, what she wants to listen to. She's like, I want to listen to Chuck Berry. He's like, oh, that's so rebellious. And she wants to date who she wants to date. Now, the one person that united this family has passed away. This is like a real life, the righteous gemstones. They no longer have this unifying force. You just have two people that are on different paths. But the rebellious girl is living with her dad and my house, my rules, Jake always said. So they would constantly fight, right? Because she wasn't going to follow the rules, but she also couldn't afford to get her own place. They were constantly fighting. It was a house full of torment. And it came to a head when the father one day found out that Alyssa was dating a 20-something-year-old man. He flips out. Jake totally flips out because, listen, you know this is a recipe for disaster. The dude's not going to stick around. At best, he's just going to break your heart. At worst, he's going to knock you up. It's going to be this huge thing. So Jake forbids his daughter from ever seeing this guy again. And Alyssa, in the throes of teenage love, doesn't care, doesn't listen to the dad. She needs to keep being with this dude, right? Which is the dumb decision. But again, very, very cliche because it happens all the time. Jake actually thinks that it's solved, though. He thinks he actually got through to his daughter. But one day when he was rummaging through her room, apparently, he finds a pair of men's boxers kind of stuffed away in the back of her closet. So Alyssa's at school, and, and Jake is enraged. He can't believe that this is a crime. Even in the 1950s, I'm pretty sure you weren't allowed to be 25 years old dating a 15-year-old. I'm not for sure, but I, I hope it was against the law. He decides to confront this boyfriend. So while Alyssa's at school, he jumps in his bright blue beetle. And Jake is driving through town, going to this boy's house. He's going to probably kill this guy for sleeping with his teenage daughter. But he doesn't get the opportunity to. He doesn't get the sweet, sweet satisfaction of strangling a man who did you wrong. On his way to this boyfriend's house, he blows through a stoplight. <laughs> A truck slams into him, and he dies at the scene. Police show up, taking reports. Ambulance shows up. They're like, what are we supposed to do? He's dead. I don't know. We're throwing him in the gurney. So they put him in the gurney, and then the tow truck shows up. And they take their wreckage of the Blue Beetle to like a holding area, and then eventually to a scrapyard, where they're like, put it in the box thing! <laughs> it's not really good people who work at the scrapyard. They don't know what anything's called. The workers are like, what, what is the box thing? They just tumble the car around until they get to the compactor. That's what I meant. They're like, that makes more sense. And the blue beetle's getting crushed. Until it's now like a little cube. And hoist it up! Put the cube! Put the cube on the box! They're like, dude, quit calling stuff boxes. Everything's a box. Stuff gets turned into boxes here. You're fired. You can't work here anymore. So the blue beetle is crushed to bits. And the story of Alyssa, we never really know what happens to her. Did she stay with her boyfriend? Was she, she overcome with emotion of the loss of her father? Does she decide to dedicate her life to Christ? We don't know any of this stuff. 
because that would be that would involve character development and human interest. Instead, the story goes like this. A couple weeks later, these two teenagers are making out in the woods near Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Terry, you're so sexy. Oh, thank you, Bruce. Mm-hmm. They're kissing. And they see some headlights in the distance. And they're like, oh, maybe that's the cops coming to break us up. And then they go, wait a second. No, because unless the cops started driving Volkswagen bugs, it's not the cops. And they're looking at this blue Volkswagen Beetle sitting on the road. And then it starts going. And it starts driving on the road towards them. Now, I used to have a Volkswagen bug. They're very iconic cars. So they're very fuel efficient. They are not, they are not known for their speediness, though. But these teenagers claim that they were chased through the forest. Through the forest. No paved road. The car begins to chase them through the forest. And they're like, ah, this Volkswagen bug. Is it like going, is it like driving over roots? And into little gullies and stuff like that? But they report to the police we were making out. And a car chased us through the woods. And the police are like, okay, that's weird. We'll put that down on our paperwork. But I hope that doesn't happen to you again. I actually they probably investigated a little bit more than that. They're like, what? Attempted kidnapping? We'll all write that down, but hopefully it doesn't happen again. Stories start to spread around town of teenagers in their bedroom. Oh, my parents are out of town, Johnny. You want to get to third base? He's like, well, that's really aggressive. Do you know what third base actually means? She's like, I do, I do. And she starts undressing. Do you guys do you guys know what third base is? It's 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 up there. Called third base for a reason. As she begins undressing, she begins taking off her bra, and then... She's trying to show off her headlights, but instead headlights illuminate the room from outside. Ah, it's blinding. And the guy would look out the window, and there would be a bright blue Volkswagen bug sitting in the street. It's headlights shining on the teenagers. Ah, cut it out, man. Cut it out. I'm trying to have sex with this chick. It starts happening all over town. Teenagers start saying, whenever I start taking my clothes off before I'm about to make some whoopee, headlights appear through the window, and I look outside, and there's this bright blue Volkswagen bug. Teenagers start reporting the blue bug following them around town, whether they're driving with their snuggle bunny or just walking down the street holding hands. Bright blue Volkswagen bug behind them. And then there are some that say that this car is not a simple voyeur. It's not just tracking down these people or slowly pursuing them through the forest as fast as a Volkswagen bug can drive through a forest. People start to realize that teens are going missing in the town of Mount Vernon. Now, some of them you could chalk up to runaway. Some of them you could chalk up to them just going on, getting tired of their home, joining the military, whatever. But there are some who say that the Blue Beetle itself was kidnapping and killing young teenage lovers. The story is known as the sex-hating Volkswagen of Mount Vernon, Ohio. It's interesting because the way that the story was presented to us, again, was, I don't know if this story is true, but all these other stories my great-uncle told me, I was able to find verification of. It would be one thing if he was like, and that was the time I stopped the leprechaun from ending World War II. If he was making stuff up, you'd think he'd have more made-up stuff. So the legend may be true in the sense that the great-uncle didn't make it up, but that he had simply heard it as an urban legend himself. But even going one step further, in the world of the paranormal, this makes sense. 
this is something that could happen in the world of the paranormal because it's really fascinating because what we have is a vengeful spirit. The father who was trying, really what he was trying to do, yeah, he was probably a little overbearing, but at the end of the day, he was trying to save his daughter. She was in a relationship with a much, much older man who was taking advantage of her, right? So despite that he might have come down a little little heavy-handed, he wasn't going to go murder the guy, we have a man who feels like he has to do this to take care of his family, and he dies in that rage. He dies in that moment, so a vengeful spirit, a wraith, totally fits with ghost lore as we know it. And if the car itself, the mechanical structure of the car, was possessed by a ghost, we see that as well. Not necessarily with cars, but we see dolls possessed by ghosts and paintings possessed by ghosts. I have a friend who says that her lamp is possessed by a ghost. It's not really her lamp. She bought it from a thrift store. But the point is, is that the idea of a ghost possessing an inanimate object is very, very accepted within the paranormal lore. But remember, this car was destroyed. This is a really interesting story because we have a vengeful spirit taking the form of the car. It was almost like he had infused the physical being of this vehicle with his rage. So when he returned to Earth as the spirit, it wasn't him just walking around town, which, to be honest, wouldn't be super intimidating. I mean, okay, if I was trying to have sex in the woods with some hot chick and some dude starts walking towards me, I'm going to run. I'm going to get him. Get, get her. Take her. Take her. And I run away. But it'd be far more scary, right, to be chased by, <laughs> maybe not chased by a Volkswagen bug, but chased by a car. Remember that old movie Wraith was kind of about that? It was about the guy who died in the car accident and then drove around running people over. It's a really good movie. Who was in it? Like Richard Grieco or Robert Downey Jr. or somebody? Anyways, you, you did recommend Wraith. I saw it when I was 12. Maybe it still holds up. The idea of a ghost taking the form of a car, chasing people down, this all fits with the lore. So while the story may have been made up, it's possible that it was real. And when we go back to the 1950s, if this was something that teenagers were reporting, obviously it sounds really, really dumb. So no parent is going to take this seriously. And actually, now that I think about it, they wouldn't be reporting this, right? Like, the couple in the woods would have told the authorities because they were almost killed, but no one's going to be like, Mom, Mom, you won't believe what happened when me and Johnny were trying to have sex last night. And she's like, wait, 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 wait what? You wouldn't, you would, this would be spreading from teenager to teenager. That's how this story would be being told. So it's possible that this poster's great uncle was a teenager at this time and was hearing these stories. It wouldn't be something you would announce to the world because all of these kids are doing something that they shouldn't be doing, right? trying to have sex. I mean, I'm not saying sex is bad, but obviously teenagers, the longer you can postpone having sex, the better off you're going to be. Especially if there's a killer car on the loose. So the point is, is that you could have this phantom in this form of this car stalking the city of Mount Vernon, trying to stop teenagers from having sex. And if we accept the story as true, and it does fit into ghost lore, it's possible the VW bug is still out there. Roaming these streets. If this is a super obscure story, it would be one of those things. It's kind of the plot of it's kind of the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street, right? They erased all knowledge of Freddy Krueger, and that was fine for about thirty years. But then the kids started having dreams about this guy and asking, "Who's Freddy Krueger?" The parents were like, "Ah." So it's possible that this legend did happen, and people just forgot about it. It was whispered among teens, and then they grew up, and then they go, "Oh, maybe that wasn't real." I always. Do wonder what happened to Tiffany. She went missing that one day, but I don't know. 
go about me. <laughs> That's the cop investigating the crime. I don't know. Someone else will figure it out. Everyone moves on with their life, but this Volkswagen bug is still out there. Looking for teenagers about to have sex. Trying to scare them off. But when that fails, trying to chase them off. And when that fails, killing them. So the next time you're driving down the road on the way to your special loved one's house, you got a box of condoms. You're very, very optimistic. You have a box of condoms in your glove compartment and you're driving over to your special lady's house. Make sure to check in that rearview mirror. See if you're being followed. Look in that rearview mirror because there might be a set of headlights behind you. Uh... But it's just the mailman. <laughs> For some reason, he's delivering mail. So you're late at night. You know, he passes you and go, woo. And then you get to her house and you uh, you bring in a shopping bag full of condoms and you set them down on the table. Honey, I'm home. And she's like, ooh. And then you see some headlights outside your window and you're like, ugh. And you look out and it's it's old farmer John on his tractor just going by. You're like, what? That's weird. <laughs> tractor. Noises. And then you go up to the bedroom with your lovely lady and you're like, hey. You do know what third base is? I heard it on a podcast. I'm not entirely for sure. And she goes, take me. And she throws herself down on the bed. And right when you get on top of your lovely lady to make sweet, sweet, passionate love to her, you hear the closet door creak open. And you turn. And the cat walks out of the closet. You're like, you're like, I need to stop listening to this paranormal podcast before I have sex with my girlfriend, because obviously I'm very, very paranoid. And you're able to make sweet love with your girlfriend, and everything's great, and you go through the bag, and then you go to the store to buy some more condoms, and then you run out of those, and then eventually, it's dawn. It's three weeks later, and you've been late for work, you've been fired, and you're walking out to your car, and you're driving home with a big smile on your face, and you see another set of headlights behind you, and you're like, oh, that's probably just the mailman. Or the tractor. Or the cat. <laughs> but instead, it's a bright blue Volkswagen bug. You might not be a teenager. You might not be having illicit sex with someone you shouldn't be with. But to a vengeful spirit from beyond the grave, those are just trivialities. You have now run afoul of the sex-hating Volkswagen bug. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. It will get you. It will take you away to the bad place. Soon you find yourself freezing cold in a junkyard made out of desiccated human remains. You're like, wow, this escalated fast. And as the compactor starts to press in on you, no, no, I want to live longer. Let me, let me get laid at least ten more times. And as the very last thing... The very last thing that pops is your eyeball. You have one eyeball, and right before it pops, you see a Volkswagen bug. It's like it's like Lightning McQueen. It's operating the gears of the compactor with its wheel hands. It's like, gotta go fast. And then the eyeball gets squished, and you're totally dead. You became the latest victim of the sex-hating Volkswagen bug. If it existed, it still exists. If it was a vengeful ghost trying to prevent people from having sex, it's still continuing that mission to this day. The only question is, will you become its next victim? Or will you, or will you abstain from sex forever? The choice. The choice is yours. 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.